You're very familiar with these scriptures, but I want to read them and bring this very important issue out about being thankful. We're going to start in, um, let's start in uh, verse 29 of Matthew chapter 15. Are we there? It says, And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Beautiful, beautiful picture, is it not? Verse 31, insomuch that the multitude wondered when they saw the mute to speak, the maimed to be made whole, the lame to walk, the blind to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. So verse 32, then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful he has compassion. He said, I have compassion on the multitude. He had compassion on the multitude because they continued with me now three days. See, you, will, you, you know when the word of God declares you cannot give God, me, actually that's, kind of, that's paraphrased when it says that God will be indebted to no man. Yeah. Now initially and specifically that is referring to finan- finances, that God will be indebted to no man. So whatever you sow financially into the kingdom, God will give back to you, Luke 6, 38, good measure, pressed down, shake together, running over, right? So it is across the board. You can extrapolate that spiritual principle in every area of your life. When you give him your life, he will give back to you, good measure, pressed down, shake together. He will make your life so much better. Can I get a witness out there? Does anyone have a better life now since you came to Jesus than before you were living for him? I know real simple there, but that's a profound yes and amen, right? So that, that's how it works, is that you can't outgive God because the more you give to him, the more he gives back to you. These people gave him three days. They gave him three days of their life. He healed them. He restored their life. He gave them a new lease on life, even a new outlook on life, because he'd been teaching and performing miracles for three days sleeping very little, resting very little, eating very little for seven, almost 72 hours nonstop there again with a few breaks here and there. So how can that be done? Paul preached one sermon one time, went 12 hours. You think I can preach long? How many of you grew up in church, especially if you grew up like in a classic Pentecost environment? Mere words escape me. Many times when I was a kid, those services would go, to, go so long, I thought, well, well, Jesus is already coming because, man, we've been here so long. It's just... But anyway, so for 72 hours, almost ministering round the clock, teaching, preaching, and healing, casting out of demons also in the greater context, we see he did that too. So all of these wonderful things are occurring. All of these great miracles are occurring, and then... Still, after everything he had given unto the people and everything he had done, he still has compassion. See, you can't, you can't exhaust the blessings of the Lord. You can't tap out, tap dry the fathomless measure, the immeasurable degree of the goodness of God and of his Christ. Just when you think that he couldn't do anything else for you, then he comes in and does something so greater than you could ever, ever imagine. I think I read a scripture one time 
that says something like this within the context of thanksgiving, that unto him who does exceeding abundantly above all that we ask. That's how it works, right? So now he's healed him. He's taught to him. He's encouraged him. He's strengthened them. He's instructed them. Miracles and miracles and miracles. And then he says, you know what? Which I, I, we, we need to shift from here, speaking to his disciples. And, and, and he said, you know, but, but from my heart, there's this compassion for their, for their natural need too. Aren't you glad he's not just concerned about our spirit? Now, don't, don't get religious on me. Aren't you glad? Now, let's be honest about this. Aren't you glad that he's concerned with more than your spirit? Even though everything must start there with him and in the kingdom. We caught that one, right? I'm going to say that emphatically because I'm going to go off the deep end here in a minute. And I don't want anyone to think I'm, I'm, I'm kind of coming with, with a false balance here. It begins in the spirit. Everything begins there when you get born again. And there's a continuation that everything still must begin in the spirit. Whatever it is, whatever you desire, whatever you're seeking, first and foremost, your spirit has to be right even when you pray, even when you ask for something, right? Making sure that the motives are pure and right, correct? So, you know, even the book of James makes that very clear. So one of the reasons why you ask and you don't have is because you're asking because you want to consume it on your own lust. And that's why a lot of prayers aren't answered in the lives of Christians is because they just want to consume it upon their own selfish gratification. Now, there's nothing wrong with being gratified as long as the mode is pure. When the mode is pure, God will gratify you more than you can ever even imagine. Amen? You guys still with me here? Okay, let's track on this thing together. Because look, it all starts in the spirit. But I'm going to say this again. He does so much more and he's so much more mindful than just your spirit. Because he knows that as long as we are in this earth, in it but not of it, major distinctive difference here, he knows that we have needs in the flesh. One of them is we get hungry every now and then. Now, you know, intermittent fasting, that's, a great, that's the latest craze. Latest, greatest craze, right, you know? And that's great, you know, which I've been doing intermittent fasting for 35 years. I have. It's called fasting to seek the face of God. But anyways, but now, but now, of course, people are writing books about it and making hundreds and hundreds of million dollars, you know, starting this fad diet and that fad diet and all that kind of stuff. It's like, I knew that. You read your Old Testament, find that out. It's beneficial to you. Just read your Bible, you know. But anyway, so anyway, so the Bible even makes it clear that it's beneficial to you in, in many regards. But anyway, let me, I'm already, already digressing. It's all your guy's fault already. But anyway, back to this is that the Lord, I, I, I know I'm being purposely redundant on this because I really want you to get this point, if nothing else, is that the Lord's mindful of everything about your life. Look, he didn't just have compassion because people uh, were, they, they, they were paralyzed, they couldn't speak, they were blind and all that. He had great compassion on them and he healed them. But he also had compassion now because they were hungry. If he's that mindful of making sure you get food to eat, how much more will he give you good things when you ask him? Everything in your life, 
that brings glory and honor to God. Jesus has compassion that flows out of his heart and he bestows that desire upon your life even right now. One of the reasons why he is at the right hand of God the Father, one of the many reasons why is, of course, he has a direct access to God and the intercession that he's lifting up to God the Father, Christ that is, lifting up for you, is in order to make sure that his heart of compassion is manifested in your life. The reason why you got saved is because he had compassion on you. You read the biblical text here, his earthly ministry. The reason why blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, got his eyes open was because Jesus had compassion on him. The woman with the issue of blood who was going to die. She was a walking death sentence. Spent all the money that she had and didn't grow better, but actually grew worse, the Bible declares. And when she reached out and touched the hem of his garment, because you see, everything that's attached to Christ flows with compassion. When you touch Christ, you will touch his compassion. You can't separate Christ from compassion. Somebody needs to hear this because don't ever think that he doesn't care. Don't ever think that he's too busy. Don't ever think that what you have and what you're going through is insignificant. He shows compassion to the smallest detail of every area of your life. And that makes me feel good. Hopefully it does you too. Anyway, so he said, I have compassion on them. They continue with me now these three days. There again, the more you continue with Christ, the more his compassion is revealed in your life. Every time you get a breakthrough in life, every time you get an answer to prayer, every time a miracle happens in your life, it's a result of his compassion. I'm not teaching on compassion today, but I had to put that in there. So there again, he's extremely, extremely compassionate. He goes on to say, and also they have nothing to eat. They don't have anything to eat. I will not send them away fasting. You know, for what this is worth, I touched on fasting a moment ago. You know, the Bible actually talks more about feasting and eating than it does fasting. My notes say there will be a thunderous round of applause when I say that. People will be jumping up and down and having, just for what it's worth, just for what it's worth, the Bible talks much more about feasting and eating and celebrating even with, with meals then it does fasting. I'll make you happy. Jesus said, I'm not going to send them away. This See, because Christ will never send you away depleted. There's, there's like 28 sermons in this, and I, I, I need to stay on track here, but Jesus will never send you away depleted. He will never send you away wanting. He will never send you away weak. You know, you fasted all, you know, you fast a day, you can start telling, you, you get in somewhat of a weakened condition. You go three days, you can definitely tell you are in. And for what it's worth, true biblical fasting, there's really only, true biblical fasting is water only, just for what that's worth. That's true biblical fasting. There are, there's only really one other type of fast, but it has limitations on most foods. But true biblical fasting, when, when you study fasting, Coupled with praying to, and the reason why you're fasting is because you need a breakthrough. Yeah. Isaiah 58, just read that sometime, just don't read it right now, or the Lord will mess with you. But anyway, so when you begin to understand that the Lord will never, ever, you will never leave his presence depleted. Amen. You will never leave his, I'm talking to somebody here today. 
Now, maybe 99.9 of you have everything and it's perfect in your life, but there's the 0.01% that need to hear this. Listen, you will never be sent away empty the time you pour, pour it into Jesus. Whatever you give to him, he will make sure he will give back to you in a much greater measure. So he makes this clear. He sits out this kind of this spiritual edict, but his disciples say, uh, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as it feels so great a multitude? Now, it's like, you know, you know he's extremely patient too, even though there were times when he did say on more than one occasion, how long must I suffer with you? I mean, I mean how, how, how long is it going to take before you start getting this stuff here? He didn't say it then, but in the previous chapter, tell me one of the, one of the biggest miracles that Christ did. All of his miracles were great in, in the previous chapter. Matthew 14, you find when he fed, it, it was the same setting. So this isn't a, a repetitious scene here. Time has elapsed, different location, different time. But in, it's recorded in the previous chapter, he fed 5,000 men, not including women and children, with five loaves and two fish. Now, a short time span had elapsed. We're not talking, we're not talking months or years. Most theologians agree it was within, within just a couple months at the most. So just short time span, he performed a miracle to feed 5,000 men plus women plus children, 15,000 plus easy, right? So now we're just talking maybe a few weeks, maybe a couple months max later. And still, they already forgot what he did. Present company excluded. But how many times will Christians walk out of a service that they were touched and exhilarated by the praise and worship? They were moved and their faith extended in their life like never before because of the ministry of the word. They were prayed for. They felt the presence of God. They were healed and all that. And how many times before the next Sunday, when they're faced with a dilemma, they forget what they experienced a few days previously? So it is. Anyway, but tell somebody, but never happened to me. Now, if you said never happened to me, uh, we'll be praying for you later because you need. Uh, anyway, so his disciples said, you know, where, where, where can we have all this bread? We're in the middle of nowhere, you know, as to feel, as to provide nutrition for all of these people, for the, for the multitude. Verse 34, Jesus said unto them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, well, I have seven and a few little fish. Now, see, a little different here. Aren't you glad that God... Bottom line is he works a miracle regardless of what he's dealt. Regardless of what presents itself to God, it's never too difficult for the Lord. It's not even an issue. It is a non-issue with the Lord. So but he just wants to find out. So hopefully they'll start catching on. Oh, he's going to do this again. Basically in your life. God's going to do something again. It's going to be a little different, but it's going to amaze you again. I must have already lulled most of you to sleep. I'm going to try that again. I'm going to prophesy this. This week, the Lord's going to do something. It's going to be different in your life. 
You haven't looked for it this way and it's going to present itself in a different manner. But God's going to do another miracle in your life. You're going to be in a different place, different time, different situation. The need will be different, but he will still supply and fulfill the miracle in your life. Somebody say amen. I said, you know, we have seven loaves, we have a few little fish. Don't you like that little fish? Little fish. I, I, I like how the Holy, Holy Spirit gives that specific narrative. We got, we got just a couple little fish here. Basically, we got a few anchovies. We have seven loaves, though, you know. Uh, so he, he commands multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the seven loaves and the fish, gave thanks, break them, gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did, verse 37 says what? They, they, how many ate? Just a couple? They all, not a trick question, guys, right there in the Word. They all, somebody say all. They all ate. Jesus will never Leave you out. You hear a lot about the word inclusive and inclusive inclusivity and all of this stuff, right? In the greater PC world. Bottom line is this. God was the progenitor of being inclusive. When he says, whosoever will, let him come. Now, the thing about it is he includes everybody. But some people need to change more than others. Some people need to be delivered more than others. Some people need to be set free more than others. The bottom line is that the, the, the greatest inclusive invitation comes from God himself. Now, the thing about it is he includes all in all walks of life and, and all kind of you know, baggages and bondages and all of that kind of stuff. But when you come to Jesus, the word of the Lord declares that he that name of the name of the Lord, free sin, abstain from it, destroy it even in your own life. My God, somebody should be saying amen right there. But anyway, I know you don't hear a lot of this type of preaching anymore, but bottom line is whoever is a born-again Christian, we should abstain from a life of sin. How can we who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Amen? So anyway, we understand that he includes us. He, He takes care of everyone who falls under his care. Let's go back to this and focus now on giving thanks, and we'll wrap this thing up. But there was just so much there. I had to, had to kind of share just a couple different areas there to kind of touch on everything that we just looked at. Notice this. When Jesus took that, the seven loaves, a few little fish, when he took that, you know, there again, you, you, you have to give him what is in your hands. You, you have to release that to him. Because whatever you give him, he will improve upon whatever you just gave him. And it starts with your life. When you give him your life, he will improve your life. I know we kind of touched on that, but it bears repeating. He will improve your life. When you give him, of course, your heart, your soul, your mind, you give him your body, you give him everything that comes into your life. When you declare that, Lord, I understand, I'm just a steward of this. I don't own it. I'm even a steward of my life. I'm a steward of the time you've given me. I'm a steward of the finances you've blessed me with. I'm a steward of my family. And when you begin to realize that, and when you give that unto him, when you give that unto him, your entirety, the entirety of your life and your being 
what he does is he always, always multiplies and gives good back into your life. So when, when that was given to Christ, he took it and notice, notice the first thing he did. He gave thanks. He gave thanks before he broke it, before he distributed it, before he did anything else, he gave thanks. Simultaneously, he blessed it, coupled with giving thanks. Because here's the thing about it. What you give thanks for in the name of the Lord will be blessed. The moment you give thanks for whatever it is in your life or whatever has happened, uh, people in your life, family, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, the list goes on, whatever it is in your life, whatever it is in your life, when you, when you give thanks for that, he will bless it. God cannot bless what you haven't given thanks for. So the moment, the moment you start giving thanks to God is the moment he starts releasing blessings into your life. As a matter of fact, your, your entire life is predicated on that principle. Because everything that flows out of our life, it is to be an expression. I'm going to teach more about that next week. An expression of thanksgiving, of thankfulness. From the words that we speak, our attitude, our actions, our emotions even, our appreciation toward people, toward, there again, our family, our spouse, children, all of that. When, 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 when you are giving thanks for them, it's an, it's an expression of gratitude and it's an expression also of praise. And that is what opens the door for God and opens the windows of heaven even to pour out blessing upon your life. You know, you know what the tithe is? The tithe is, it is so many things, but here specifically, let me compartmentalize it right here. The tithe in this given venue, the tithe is an expression of you giving thanks that God has blessed you financially. So when Christians don't tithe and when Christians don't give offerings, they are not giving God the expression of thanksgiving for their financial prosperity. When God declares all the way back, all throughout the Old Testament, let's just, how about Deuteronomy 28 when he says, I've given you power to get wealth. Excuse me, Deuteronomy chapter 8. He, he, he says it a little bit differently in, in, uh, in chapter 28. In Deuteronomy 20, in chapter 8, God declares, I've given you power to get wealth. So when you understand that and, and you begin to prosper in your life financially, if you are withholding that from returning to the kingdom, that's probably one of the most unthankful things a Christian can do. Because the moment, there again, the moment you, you return the tithe and you give offerings on a consistent basis in any given quarter of a year or a calendar year, you are expressing thanksgiving that God has given you the power, the wherewithal, the financial acumen and prowess, in a good sense of the word there, that you are capable, you are well able to basically go out and make a living. Amen. I, I was talking to someone earlier before service and, and uh, someone else was standing by me. You know, I was asking, I said, hey, how's your, how's your job? They got a new job, and, and, uh, which is a great job and everything. And they even eventually told me this again. I said, you know, it's the best job I've ever had in my life. The biggest paychecks I've ever made in my life. 
And I said, praise God, man, that's wonderful. Isn't God good? You know, so you know, they, they gave thanks to God, you know, all that. So we're talking about that. And we gave God all the thanks, all the praise, all the glory and all that. And I said, you know what? Bottom line is this. In conjunction, first and foremost, giving thanks and praise. Bottom line is this. Don't let anyone ever, ever fool you or deceive you. We work for money. So, you know, and I, and, and I went on to say, I said, you know, people walk around and say, oh, you know, I, I work for fulfillment. Okay, give me your paycheck then. <laughs> if you just work for fulfillment, well then, well, you don't give it to me. Give your whole, entire paycheck to Covenant National Church. Amen. And the people of God say amen, right? Amen. That's, a bu- that's a bunch of bunk. Bunch of crock, man. People, oh, I just work. I, you work for the money. It's all about the money, money, money. I don't know why that just came out. Shouldn't have said that. So I've lost some people who are religious with on this. You ought to read the Bible. You, 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 you know it's a topic that's mentioned more than heaven and hell combined. Read your Bible. You'll discover that. But anyway, the, the, the bottom line is this. When you realize that the Lord has enabled you to get wealth. Because it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. He blesses you financially so that you can be a blessing. But you can't be a greater blessing if you're holding on to it. I'm preaching to somebody here right now. You can't be a greater blessing if you're holding on to it. One of the ways that you don't hold on to it is to tithe and give offerings. When you are consistent when it comes to tithing and giving offerings, you are just the expression of that. As you are saying, God, I thank you that if it weren't for you, I wouldn't have a penny to my name. If it weren't for you, I'd be living next to a dumpster in an alley somewhere. If it weren't for you, oh God, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. I wouldn't have a car to drive. I wouldn't have the job that I have. But God, I thank you. This tithe symbolizes my thanksgiving. And this offering, oh God, symbolizes I am thankful that you've blessed me financially. God can't bless what you aren't thankful for. I grew up seeing that modeled from my parents, both grandparents, maternal and paternal grandparents. When I got a little older, I really began to appreciate them giving thanks. That's what they called it. They didn't say, ask the blessing. They said, you know, it's not not semantics here. Stay with me. I'll, I'll, I'll expound upon this. How many of you grew up, you heard, especially be it your parents or your grandparents, they would, they would refer to it as giving thanks. They, they, they never said, they never said uh, let's ask a blessing now. Here's why, because they knew the word, main reason, and they lived a life where they'd experienced a lot of loss, a lot of hardship, a lot of tragedy in many regards, and uh, they saw God bring them through everything. So many different things, so many different things. Because when they, they were grown adults, my grandparents were, when they went through the Depression. When they got older, I asked them about it. You know, at the end, end of their years, I asked them, you know, you know how was that? And, you know, I, I remember one, one of my grandparents saying this. I said, you know what? In comparison to everything else, some of the things that went through that Depression wasn't anything. I know, it's like, this ain't nothing, you know. But anyway, they, they went through a lot of stuff in their life. So when you sat down the meal with them, they not only, you know, gave thanks, they actually recalled it, we're going to return thanks. But they gave thanks, and I ain't lying to you, the food would get cold. Sometimes with my grandpa, the one who was a pastor for 50 plus years, 
Man, he'd start praying. And, 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 and he'd go down memory lane. And man, you know, the thing is, though, the, the older I got, the more I appreciate it. And man, he'd, he'd start praying. He'd start thanking the Lord for what the Lord did for him in 1928. And I, he'd just thanking. And then my grandma, she'd be over there. She'd be crying. She'd pull out her hand. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of that whatsoever. Would to God I could go back and experience that one more time. But anyway, I mean, it, 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 and the Holy Spirit would come down. We'd have revival camp meeting. But the chicken and dumplings were getting cold. Cornbread and black-eyed peas are getting cold, but we don't care. We're giving thanks because if it weren't for God, we would have the black-eyed peas and the cornbread and the chicken and dumplings and the sweet tea to eat and peach cobbler for dessert. But because God has been good to us, we're going to give some thanks here. So when you've gone through some stuff in your life and you've experienced loss, and you scaled the lofty heights of great things, but also you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death and you've stared it down and God got you out of it and got you through it somehow. You've experienced heartache and loss and, 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 and just the stuff that we don't even like to even talk about sometimes. It should be a natural extension of an expression from our heart to give God thanks for everything we have. For more information about our teaching resources, visit our website at ciclive.com.